Freestyle, yeah. Slap the bass, y'all. Although he's just plucking the bass. Yeah. That's a heavy one. Hello. Well, that. that w- was, w- welcome to the show, everyone. That was something. Should we do bass every week? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> welcome to We Bought a Mic. You guys like when I said I was gonna freestyle and I proceeded to not freestyle? Yeah, yeah. That was. <laughs> <laughs> Nailed catch. it. We're also continuing a narrative because we did break a string last week. So everyone's <laughs> like, oh, I wonder if they changed it. And now they know we did it. Yeah. We just, we, why would we put a new string in? Like, that doesn't make any sense. All you do is you just grab a different guitar. Yeah. And you learn the Seinfeld theme and then you mess it up a few times. <laughs> no one notices. No one. All right. Episode 28, guys. And we're just we're just gonna keep the guitar plugged yeah, in. Yeah, I'm just gonna I'm just <laughs> gonna keep play over. You guys gotta come in with some good jokes, and I'll just be like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like having a soundboard, like yeah. what Snyder Collin is doing. Beautiful. Whatever someone makes a bad joke. I'll okay, do that. <laughs> all right, there we go. <laughs> so today we're gonna review Game Night, the new film from. Uh, some some people, John Francis Daly. And, <laughs> yeah, uh, and his writing partner and some other dude. Uh, and, you know, catching up on some news and some other stuff that we've been watching. Not a crazy up this week, uh, but let's just get into the news. There's a couple items on here. Danny Boyle oh. might be the next. What, uh, what's your name, Ernest? Oh, oh, is it is it Ernest Calderon? <laughs> what's your name, I, I, Ernest? <laughs> <laughs> you know, if people listen to this regularly, they they probably distinguish. We're not getting any new listeners, no, so we, like we, it's we it's fine. <laughs> I I'm Ernest Calderon. If this is your first time listening, uh, I am Hunter Mobley. I'm Drew Dietzen. <laughs> <laughs> you can't right, yeah, stop. I'm, I'm trying to establish a brand. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Danny Boyle, uh, next Bond director. You you know they may fire him. They may do the the whole Star Wars thing and boot him off the project but if this happens this could be a good direction for bond which has grown kind of stale in the last uh couple entries yeah i mean i uh i'm a huge danny boyle fan so like i really i i have high hopes for it um yeah I no mean, it's we'll, good news we'll see uh i'm i mean i'm happy about it how could you not be really how i mean what I, I never saw the last uh, Bond movie I come did, out. I didn't either. Spectre. I think Casino Royale was actually the last one that I saw. I, I I've never seen even seen Skyfall. Minute. You never saw Skyfall? I never saw Skyfall. I've seen the big scene from Skyfall on like, I, YouTube or something. I find but. James Bond boring. As a, <laughs> as a character, I don't, I don't like that kind of character where they're just fucking flawless. It reminds me of soap operas. Like, it's just like... It's not. It's not in this world. I don't know. I don't. I don't recognize that guy as the guy where I'm like, yeah, that's me. That's me. Yeah, that's fair though. But I mean, they're good. They're good James Bond movies. I can't shit on the whole franchise, obviously. But just as a character, I feel like there are more interesting protagonists out there. I mean, maybe maybe Danny Boyle will be able to give some more like kind of revitalize James Bond and 
make his character a little bit more dynamic because he does have, I mean, his his movies that he's made, he's had some pretty dynamic characters between 28 Days Later um, with a scarecrow guy. Um, Killian? Killian Murphy, Cillian Murphy. Sunshine, which I've never seen. Slumdog Millionaire. Um, Won the Oscar for uh, Slumdog. Yeah. um, Steve Jobs is, I think, a really good movie. Great film. Yeah, really, really good movie. See, the, I love the, Ashton Kutcher. <laughs> the thing about Danny Boyle is he's never afraid to sort of change up his... Like, you can't really pin down Danny Boyle's style. Like, it's always very unique. With with each movie, he he's able to... Like, he doesn't really write his movies. Um, he just directs. He's one of those guys. So he is able to kind of put a different flair on whatever script he's bringing yeah, to life. That's really impressive, honestly. It kind of depends on just what you personally are good for as a director. Some people just have to write it and direct it because yeah. like, they have to have full control. But like, it's it's honestly really impressive to be able to adapt to the screenplay because that means that you can do kind of everything instead of like... Like Wes Anderson has a set of things that he can definitely do extremely well, yeah. but who the fuck knows if he could do something different? Like we honestly just don't know. I don't think he could. But <laughs> um but the only I'm looking at Danny Boyle's IMBD and the only movie that he has a writing credit for is 127 Hours. Oh true. The James Franco uh, arm chop movie. Arm and chop. and he uh, arm chop movie. <laughs> as it's known. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good movie. Like, mm-hmm. I really enjoy that movie. It, it could have been a boring-ass thing, like just a guy being True. trapped under a rock, but it's actually very dynamic. And he's actually working on the script for the next Bond movie. So, actually, I don't think this is completely, like, locked down, but Danny Boyle said that it's happening. So It's coming from his mouth and yeah, not from a studio's mouth, so exactly. I believe it a little bit more. By the way, do you guys know what Danny Boyle looks like? Yeah, he's the most British-looking dude I've yeah. ever seen in my fucking life. <laughs> yeah, he looks like England incarnate. Yeah, he's just like, oh, fish and chips. <laughs> I just fuck. You want to know how much of a pussy I am? I just got a blister <laughs> from playing bass. Oh, oh my god! For like eleven <laughs> seconds. <laughs> you right. got to leave it to the experts. Well, all right. Well, let's move on to the next bit of news here. Ready Player One premiered at South by Southwest to a really, really hype crowd. Mm. Uh, they may have you know, handpick the exact target audience for this premiere. But I'm hearing really good things coming out of South by Southwest. And apparently, like, during this premiere, the movie was so loud that it, like, wrecked the sound yeah, system. Yeah, I heard that. <laughs> and so the movie was playing without any audio. And what? Pe- and people just started <laughs> doing, fuck? like, pew, 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 pew. <laughs> and they liked it. or <laughs> Yeah, they played it to a bunch of six-year-olds who were like, yeah. oh my god, look at these colors. <laughs> I like that. As you guys all know, listeners of the pod, we are your resident Ready Player One podcast. That's all that we talk about. Yeah, so, yeah. and we're going to be the only pod. So I'm actually going to uh, illegally find a screener of this movie, and I'm going to mute it and make my own sounds <laughs> for the entire film. Uh, I, I think this movie might be cursed. I don't know. <laughs> I, I I have a bad feeling about it. I think it's going to get absolutely eviscerated. And the people that do like it are going to be like fucking championing the shit. Yeah, I feel it. like it's going to be an extremely divisive movie. I mean, they, they screwed themselves. Their marketing campaign was so bad. That poster campaign we talked about yeah. uh, last week where they're... 
putting their main character in like classic posters of the best movies of all time, you're putting yourself on that playing field by doing that. You might like some people will take that as, oh, it's like a fun, cheeky little parody thing. Other people are going to be like, oh, you think you're the fucking Matrix, bro? <laughs> like, you, that was a bad move. Yeah, that I was mean, a bad idea. I feel like I was That's on true. the first p- side of that where yeah. I just, it's like obviously a parody. But the problem is, is that we've talked about it before, but they're trying to create the illusion that this story is like some big spectacle and that's not what it is it's I mean, like it's a very fun just adventure. A fun yeah exactly yeah i can't name the last time that a spielberg movie was like really funny so i i don't i don't know if it's going to do great but you know we can only speculate i uh, just i just hope it's fine i hope it's fun and it's not trash yeah i would like that for it to not be trash did you hear that it's official that disney allowed Ready Player One to have Star Wars in there. Yeah, I just saw that. Star Wars. No, no, no I, I heard that it didn't. No, wow. I heard it did. I heard it did. Yeah, I heard it cleared. I saw that yesterday. That and like Beauty oh, and the what? Beast or something like that. I mean, who even knows? There's probably going to be like, this is going to be a movie of Easter eggs that's like you get the Blu-ray of and you got to like pause it and be like, oh, look, it's oh, back there in the corner. I, I see. Oh, that. yeah. I clapped I because that. I knew it. <laughs> So I, I saw a headline that said that not even Spielberg could clear the, the rights for Star Wars. So there may be conflicting reports here coming out of the film. Yeah, who even who even knows? Right. Who even cares? I mean, whatever. <laughs> Speaking of Disney, though, yeah, they just dropped a new look at Infinity War, which I did not see. And I, I will have any do of my us, best have not to see it. Seen it yet? Um. I'm trying to think if I. I it's a new trailer that just. No, it's a new. Oh, then no, I didn't. It I, just I don't, came out. I don't really want to. I don't find uh, Marvel trailers interesting at all. Like <laughs> some trailers, I genuinely like watching, but Marvel trailers give away really nothing. Uh, particularly the ones that are just super serious, and then the movie's just like a joke fest. Yeah. Um, but, which is probably how this is going to be. Yeah, exactly. And but they, yeah, they did just drop a new poster that just it broke the internet. <laughs> it's a great. I'm poster. freaking out. I mean, honestly, I love the poster. it really is a cool poster. I have no desire to ever watch the trailer. I mean, I'm not going. If I go to a movie in the next month and they show the trailer, they, I'm not going like, to close my eyes and like block my ear holes. They'll probably so I don't show it before it. Ready Player One. But the, the trailer has about fifty people on it. And the poster, that's yeah. that's why I'm worried about the movie. I yes, but hey, like I mean, the poster looks cool. It's it, it was cool how they were able to incorporate everybody in this. Not everybody, Jeremy Renner, <sighs> no fucking Renner, no Paul Rudd, and not even Loki. The Tom Hiddleston's not in no, there either. There's Paul just Rudd, there's Paul no Rudd love in there. for white guys Paul, in Hollywood. You guys didn't he's see just, Paul Rudd in there? He was just, just really small. Oh, he was really yeah, small. he was ant sized. <laughs> I saw a joke that was like, oh, I didn't realize that Benedict Wong was the new Ant-Man because he's in the poster, but he's like very, very small yeah. towards the very top of the... Oh, yeah, I, yeah. I just... I'm serious, guys. I, I can't sleep. I don't know what they're doing <laughs> with Hawkeye in this movie. I, I haven't... Yeah, I haven't out. eaten in months. There's no Hawkeye news. I... Like, like he was, he was a core member of the team, yeah. and then we saw his family. Was he though? Yeah. Was he the core member that we asked? He for? He was in the big city during that circular pan shot. I mean, come on. He was, he was the 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 rock, the cornerstone of the team. Yeah. Without Hawkeye, there is no team. <laughs> Everything falls apart without Renner. Yeah. Without Hawk, there's yeah, there's no, there's there is an eye in s- Hawkeye. <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm so worried. <laughs> I think I think he I hope he makes it out. See, okay. 
I think that the people that will definitely die mm-hmm. in this movie yeah, who's are die? Loki and Captain America. I think those two are like the yeah, big ones. Maybe, the Ringer, maybe Thor. The Ringer just put an article out speculating because there's too many people in this. Someone's got to die. Yeah. Marvel is kind of, it's in its final act as an entire franchise. Uh, I don't know. I could see Loki dying because he's, you know, he's likable but not out. he's likable enough that people will be like no but he's also not integral to I, anything really i think he'll die in the first act of the film yeah i would sorry uh harry friend of the pod but i would be thrilled if captain america died i yeah. don't really give a shit about captain I think america he will. I, I think, think he will. well i think it's either gonna be captain or iron man or both well i would see, be happy if both he, of them here's died the thing about but... iron man we know that our uh, robert downey jr wants out like he's too old for this shit he wants out does that mean he has to die though? Can they close out his character without killing him? I mean, that'd be really. I think it'd be really lame if they did. I think maybe he finds maybe Tony Stark right before he dies. He achieves the singularity, and he's a, his consciousness is uploaded. <laughs> he becomes the new Ultron. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like his yeah, his consciousness becomes you know in the cloud, and like whenever the gang like wants to just like chill with him. In their spaceship, they can just be like, "Hey, Tony." Well, they can just like yeah. meditate, like smoke some space herbs, yeah. and talk. Because because to... that seems like a pretty good Marvel cop out of yeah. getting rid of your like arguably arguably your biggest guy that you have. I yeah. could just I could see it. I mean, this is all theorizing right now, but I could see them like in the beginning of the movie, we get shots of Iron Man, this like uh, stone heart thing that he built for himself is like it's starting to like wither, and then suddenly Thanos like towards the end of the film just punches him really hard in the chest or something with his gauntlet on and it just like kills iron man yeah i personally i would want a very emotional send-off like a really heart-wrenching if if he goes it's gonna be like that but i just have this feeling that he's gonna like be in their alexa or something (laughs) you know i just i feel like he's just gonna stick because well because like we've uh learned that like his suit is now a part of him like the technology is molding with the humanity in this universe, as well as in real life, there are plenty of movies about this. Um, watch her instead of Infinity War, everybody. That's, no, <laughs> yeah. that's a good fucking movie. Infinity Her. That's a good ScarJo. Yeah, if you <laughs> singularity want a, movie. If you want a movie with ScarJo where she actually like plays a real person, a yeah. real character, but she's actually hot. So I don't care because it's her voice. Yeah, no, that's. Do you think she'll die in this movie? Uh, no, I don't think so because people are already pissed she's not getting her own movie. Yeah. Well, maybe it would be an easy out for Feige. It's like, well, good luck. She's fucking dead, bro. <laughs> what about rough. I mean, they the have rough? to. No, I feel like they have to keep ScarJo and uh, Ruffalo around to keep their shitty romance that nobody asked for. Dude, about. I like that. I don't like it. I'm into it. I I know I don't even know if I'm in the minority or There's, not that I just the best thing that's come of that was in Ragnarok where we have Thor poking fun at how he's just like sun's going down it's getting real low there's going no down. there's never any sex in these movies like these are squeaky clean heroes that apparently don't fuck so you want Hulk dick is what you're saying I don't want Hulk dick but I want implied Hulk dick yeah what? Hey, we we got implied Hulk dick whenever he like took off his pants in Ragnarok. Yeah, that, that was, was great. What if they're fucking and Ruffalo accidentally hulks up and kills her? <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> yeah, that's, that's see what that I makes want. it. <laughs> <laughs> you see her like explode. <laughs> yeah. Jesus okay, let's move on. <laughs> Ava DuVernay is apparently directing something called The New Gods for DC. Does anyone know what so, this is? Everybody's favorite uh, superhero <laughs> comic franchise, DC. 
Uh, so yeah, like I mean, I was saying when we were reviewing Wrinkle in Time, she's gonna keep getting work, and she immediately got new work. So she's she's bounced back already, which is good because by all accounts, she's she's two for three. You know, that's a pretty good yeah. ratio. Yeah, I just like I really wish that she would have gone for something more like Thirteenth or Selma, like something more. Uh, original or something that actually has social implications instead of just making like a superhero thing. And not only that, like what is New Gods? I've like I looked um, it up and I tried to super see weird. some stuff about. It. Yeah, but it seems really weird and obscure. I think DC is just trying to throw shit against the wall and hoping that something sticks. I mean, this is a buzzy move for them. It's a smart business move because you know she has a lot of weight to her name right now. Also, this is now two. Um, two female directors that DC has over to Marvel's zero. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, there's something that DC is doing that is good. I just I hope that this it's going to have a huge budget, of course. But I mean, Wrinkle in Time had a huge budget and it was a shit movie. So I think that it's important to actually be able to do something and make the most out of having this big budget and these big special effects. Do you guys know that Ava passed on Black Panther? Wow. Yeah. Why? She said no. Um, Black Panther 2? Or no, on the first on, one? Yeah. I guess they offered it to her before Coog. Why? I'm Why? glad that Coogler got it. Weird. Yeah. yeah. Weird, weird move. Uh, but you know, maybe she just wanted to do like a little kid thing, you know, to right. inspire the children. She's seen, I mean, that's, on social media, she's very like into like you know buying out theaters for kids in like Compton and stuff and showing yeah. them Michael in time, That's which cool. is also what people are doing for Black Panther. So I'm I'm trying to look up New Gods and I'm having trouble figuring out like who they are. It's it just, just looks some, like some crazy. Yeah, it's Jack some Kirby. it's some obscure DC series. Honestly, because of that, maybe there's like with Superman. Even though it was like not good, it was extra not good because Superman is sacred to yeah. so many people. So maybe because it, she has a blank slate, she can really you and know it, play in the sandbox. And a she's bit. doing, she's playing with characters that nobody really knows. So if they're nothing like the comics, people will just be like, "Oh well, I don't know what that is." So yeah, exactly. That's fine with yeah, me. exactly. She has more room to fuck around because no one knows what this is, which is good. And I'd rather that now that Justice League kind of shit the bed and made no money. DC is going to try to just do whatever the fuck works and now we know that the flashpoint movie is going to kind of reset things with the the same directors as game night they're mm -hmm. going to bring in and you know use that movie as like a sort of reboot or whatever so i don't know i i hope dc gets their shit together because so, their characters are so interesting new gods is going to take place after flashpoint after they're like resetting the whole universe Sure, I don't know. I'm, Who even? Knew? I just, I really. It's the wish, DC extended universe. I just, I really wish that they would get their shit together because the DC comics are insane. Like, there's some crazy, crazy shit that happens that is way more insane than Marvel. And yeah, if they're able to put that on screen. It would be. I mean, the incredible. problem is though that they're just like. DC needs to just stop trying to be Marvel and just do their own fucking thing. Like, that's why the Dark Knight... I mean, of course, Christopher Nolan was at the helm, but the Dark Knight movies succeeded because they were willing to go dark and to not be family-friendly at points and mm -hmm. to, like, actually take some serious risks as far yeah. as a big blockbuster movie is concerned. And so far, we haven't seen that with any of the new... Uh, DC movies. And it doesn't work when you just try to be Marvel. I almost think like that uh, Justice League was I almost doing. think that Joss Whedon go, going to work on 
Justice League was kind of like one of the worst things that could happen. He probably ended up making that movie better than it would have been if it was just a Zack Snyder joint. But like, that's the epitome of what's wrong with DC right now is that they're trying to they're trying to be Marvel with like a dark, gritty, uh, superficial look to everything. Yeah. All right, what's this last bit of news here? Dan Gilroy, yeah. Netflix movie. The, yeah, yeah, have you the guys writer, heard about director this? of Nightcrawler, which is a great movie. We never talked about it because it's a few years old, but like we were super into that when one that of came my all time faves. That's yeah, a great it's movie. Fantastic movie. It's, and now uh, it's dark. It's darkly comical, but overall, it's more of like just a fucked up kind and of possibly Gyllenhaal's best performance. And have you guys heard about uh, the cast for this new Dan Gilroy Netflix movie that's coming out? Yes. Yeah, so he's reteaming with Gyllenhaal. Hall, first of all, in the starring role. And then it's, yeah, it's got a fat it's cast. John Malkovich is in here. Tony Collette. Uh, it's a bunch of Tony Award winners. Oh, Rene, Rene Russo Tom again. Sturridge is in here. And then like, Billy Magnuson, who's in the, the movie we're going to talk about, Game Night, yeah. and is a huge breakout in Game Night, in my opinion. I don't know about you guys. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Um, but yeah, I wonder what the... Do we have a plot or anything? It's called no. Velvet Buzzsaw. And uh, it's the little synopsis says big money artists and mega collectors pay the price when art collides with commerce. Okay, so it'll be another uh, thriller, we could assume. Yeah, Um, I'm a little worried about this because, you know, Gilroy also wrote and directed Roman J. Israel Esquire, (laughs) which I never saw and I heard was trash. Yeah. So I'm worried. I mean, reading that plot synopsis, it sounds like it's something that would be best served in like a big theater with lots of audio and everything. And it's interesting that he's making the choice to go to Netflix with this idea and not with something like J. Roman Israel Esquire, which is something that you really could just watch like at home. Yeah. But yeah. for like a good thriller, like I want to see if I can find this movie in a theater just because we said like, I love Nightcrawler, but just the sound of that movie, it's, it's envelop, it envelops you and you want to listen to it as loud as possible. So Dan Gilroy also wrote Kong Skull Island last year. Yeah, he co-wrote So it. he's very hit and miss is what, well, is what you're telling me. A, I mean, he had a big year. That's for sure. Two two movies that were technically Oscar nominees. That, yeah, that's yeah. true. There you go. True that. True that. Um, I hope it's good. You know, I'm rooting for the guy, and I'm always excited to see anything Jake Gyllenhaal is in. I, I, I still haven't seen Stronger. I really want to check that out. True. Um, I think Gyllenhaal learned from his Prince of Persia mistakes, yeah. and is now very careful about what roles he chooses. Yeah, very definitely, talented guy. Definitely. All right, guys. Let's get to what we've been watching. Let's just get right into Atlanta Robin season. Uh, we just watched Ep three, and mm-hmm. it was the return of Van, um, and it was an episode where Earn gets paid, mm-hmm. and he kind of wants to, you know, spend a little money and also be a little smart, but maybe not so smart. He yeah, Earn loses a lot of money <laughs> in Atlanta. <laughs> Uh, so in that Hollywood Reporter profile of Donald Glover, someone in the uh, in the royalty crew mentioned they were watching a cut of an episode, and I think it was Fam said, you know, someday they're going to teach classes and they're going to talk about the use of masks in this show because there's a lot of masks going on, and he said the first mask they're going to talk about is Ern's mask that he puts on every day. Um, be- yeah, because there is a you know Ern has sort of, he's the only character that. It doesn't have like the the hood thing going on he's more like you know he acts more like a princeton guy i yeah. guess you could say um and this episode kind of plays with that uh dynamic a lot because i mean in the very beginning 
uh, Ernst trying to figure out why everyone's stunning on him. Like why even home? He said a homeless people, a homeless person <laughs> stunned on him. And he's with the just, McDonald's. Yeah, and he's wondering what is it. And so Paperboy tells him it's money. And he goes through this entire episode where money is not the answer to his problems. Money is the problem itself. And at the end, he realizes it's the way that he acts. Yeah, that's the lesson he learns. Money in this isn't like an actual thing. It's how you carry yourself. Yeah, exactly. So he carries himself. He's very downtrodden. He's very like kind of beta, especially compared to like Paperboy, who's a huge personality. Um, and so, the, yeah, this episode plays, you know, it's kind of an earn episode. It plays with his character and like why he acts that way. And it's kind of might be i mean this show is kind of unpredictable but it seems like it's setting up for some change in how he you know behaves and like well, acts in the world this i think that this was like a big episode uh i mean this is kind of continuing the theme that we've seen so far this season where this is getting more plot heavy with everything that we're seeing we started out the episode with one of the best possible ways to like explain yeah. that Paperboy went gold with a single with a suburban white mom on her like yeah. Instagram Snapchat story. Yeah. Just like reading off the lyrics. And then I love how she's like reading off shit like my dick is like a tree trunk yeah. and all this shit. And but she doesn't start crying until until, she, until he names drops Colin Kaepernick. Yeah, and, then and she's then just she's, weeping. That yeah. Like that's just such a cool creative way. And so it's good. so different from any other show where you would just mm. have the characters riding in the car together and just like, and here's a new hot single from Paperboy. Yeah. It's and it's like just something like that that's just yeah. way better exposition. Way better than uh what they did with the justice league in the beginning oh yeah <laughs> oh my god Far superior. Yes. <laughs> um but yeah this was a really good episode it had a good little side plot of uh Paperboy and darius are they're in a studio with this like really he, this rapper who has a great image he doesn't smoke he doesn't drink the you who guy yeah the you who oh, yeah from uh, last clark episode. county yeah, Clark County, and they find that he is not so uh, squeaky clean. <laughs> he is actually a motherfucker. But he's like so passive aggressive in all of those scenes. Yeah, because of yeah. course they're having the issue recording this track where he's freestyling and everything, and the track keeps crashing. And the studio is just like, he's just like, hey, don't worry, I, like I wouldn't do anything with my hands. Like I wouldn't fight you. Yeah. But just remember, I'm not the only person in here who's got hands. Yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, so yeah, he's got muscle behind him, and it creates like. This really effective tension oh, with all very the tense, with yeah. all the moments in there because like you're trying to keep keep it chill and keep it cool and just laugh it off, but then you feel this dread of this poor engineer guy like he keeps <laughs> fucking up yeah. and you're like he might get killed today. Yeah, it's not even his fault. The system is crashing. Um, another thing that I loved about those scenes was uh, you know, Paperboy shows up to uh, just kind of like chill, like maybe feature on a song or whatever, and he's just like sitting there with him, and Paperboy like or Al like offers him like, hey man, you want to hit this blunt? And he's like, no nah, man, I'm, I'm gonna keep myself clean. And he's like, all right, cool, but I got this henny though. I know you want that. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, no, but I'm just gonna stay chill and everything. Yeah. And then he goes into the booth and starts freestyling. He's just like, yeah, I got my blunt in one hand and my henny in the other. Yeah. And you see this face on uh, Al, this look on Al's face, which is just perfect he, for like he's he, like confused. That's. <laughs> That's his biggest strength. Like half of the show is just like shots of him looking at people yeah. like are you fucking Reactions. serious? He is the best exasperated like slightly pissed off actor. Yeah. Um he's like over it. But yeah, those those scenes were also really interesting to me because they also play with the theme of identity and how you act and how it projects into the world because this guy acts squeaky clean and so he's they mentioned that he's getting these huge sponsorship 
and he's getting all this money when in reality he's nothing like that but it's it's all about the image of what you project versus right. how you actually are which is the same thing that donald glover is dealing with in the b story and i mean yeah. and we uh we get this like i mean it was a couple points there i think that that was really the the scenes of the clark county and al together were kind of one of the major highlights in the episode that is i think really really good but uh we also have them talking about how just like Clark County got a feature on the new Fast and Furious movie, and he basically says, like, you know, they only have space for, like, one black guy on the record, and you just got to get yourself out there. And then we have what could be a little bit of setup for episodes down the line where he's, like, thanking his manager because his manager is the one who's getting him all his positions. And there's kind of a look on Al's face where he's like, well, what's Earn doing for me right now? Like, I don't have any commercials. I'm not getting on any soundtracks. Yeah, what exactly is going on? I'm, I, yeah, that's like last week I was saying I want Earn to be a little smarter. And I think partially it's because I'm worried about him. I'm worried he's going to get fucking dropped. Like, like theoretically, Paperboy is blowing up and Earn isn't really doing anything, I don't think. Like, not that we can see. No. I guess, I guess we can envision that he like you know he sets up like the meeting with spotify last week you, you, you got could, that you could assume yeah. that he set it up you know but he's he's not a high caliber manager so far no no yeah. definitely not and like he's he's so obsessed with just like i mean he's been pretty much homeless at this point for a little while so he's just like obsessed with this idea of getting money and just doing whatever it takes just to get his money and he just wants to live the life of a wealthier person mm-hmm. that as soon as he gets it, he just tries to do stupid shit and blow it however yeah. fast he can. And yeah, and it's a recurring theme in the show. We had it a, a few times in season one also that like it is just basically it's about how money is a trap and it just it never ends. You always are getting screwed over. Yeah, and this, then as, particularly as a black man. Relating back to the whole Robin season theme, I think the strength of this newest episode is that it shows you how robbery can happen in different ways yeah in broad daylight and it's legal yeah like he's, he gets screwed exactly. so many times in, in the strip club like he's just coerced <laughs> into just tipping the stripper that he doesn't want to tip and then more money than he even intended to which he's done so through like one of the funniest things i've ever seen yeah. with the voiceover guy in the strip club like hey you yeah with the <laughs> shitty green shirt on that yeah whack-ass coca-cola shirt <laughs> yeah that was really funny you just got 200 dollars out the atm <laughs> yeah but like he goes in there and they take twenty percent cut and two hundred dollar minimum yeah. for everything he has yeah. to do. And then his whole relationship with Van it takes kind of an interesting turn here because, you know, you you get the feeling that she maybe resents him a little bit because he's not really doing as well as he could be because mm-hmm. she knows how smart he is. And we see that little moment that they have of uh, him getting his important mail delivered to her house. And he spins it the right way, saying that he trusts her. But it's really like he's homeless. He needs a reliable place to get his mail. Right. Mm. Um, so Van, like, she could easily just fucking drop Earn whenever she wants. Like, she doesn't need him. Mm-hmm. But there is, like, some sort of connection there. Like, honestly, this is one of the things I love the most about this show is how lived in it is and how 
realize these characters are that we can explore the the relationships that they have with each other in really detailed ways Mm. above the the context that we get in the show yeah it's really steady like you never really doubt the chemistry but also you completely understand what's going on like he's he's broken he's kind of a deadbeat and they have a kid together so she has feelings like she's gonna have a whole ball of feelings wrapped up none of that is explicitly stated like it would be in almost any other show yeah in almost any other show there would be a big monologue of like i had your child <laughs> <laughs> did you guys actually notice the uh the parallels between this episode's season or uh episode three of season two with episode three of season one uh and season is that the date episode that's uh yeah that's go yeah. for broke yeah that's the episode where Ern is trying to take van out that's and he point. can't afford anywhere to go yeah now he actually has money he's taking her out to all these places yeah, and he's still getting fucked. and he still can't do it even though just because nobody nobody believes that this hundred dollar bill that he's spending is real yeah and it's they they chalk it up to racism which is obviously a part of it uh, and then also, you know, Paperboy ends up having to explain to him, it's not just that, man. It's how you carry yourself. Yeah. You you just seem like you got that in a weird way. <laughs> like, it yeah. seems like that would be fake. It's just you like, well, you don't, I mean, you're a black man, but also you don't look like somebody who's out there like, like drug dealing or anything yeah, like that. So, they so think I don't it's believe. Fake. Yeah, yeah, you look like a smart black guy, so I don't trust you. But what <laughs> That's is, the whole thing. But yeah. what does that mean for Earn? Like, he's not going to put on this other facade of like trying to be a fucking thug or whatever like Mm. he he wouldn't do that that's not part of the character that's been set up so if he is gonna change and he is gonna beef him his self-image up to so people take him a little bit more seriously like what is he gonna have to do to achieve that yeah that's the thing i don't think i don't see it really happening like I don't at see all. well I mean somewhat but I don't see that character just flipping a switch and all of a sudden being cool like like freaking when Stefan or Kel you know yeah. when Urkel <laughs> just goes in the machine I just don't see that I, it, I think it's just gonna be more of him struggling to like act like he's the shit if he has like a windfall of cash I could see things going better for him um but yeah this this was a great episode it deals with i i've noticed that steven glover is writing a lot more this season like he's written almost every episode his brother right yeah Yeah. it's it's donald's brother the the uh article i keep on referencing because like i'm telling you guys it's a fucking novel uh it talks about their dynamic and it makes a lot of sense how the show talks so much about black identity and how you project yourself because they kind of lived different lives because uh, Donald's mom just kind of saw something in Donald and made him go to this performing arts high school with a bunch of white people where he kind of thrived and he was like a great actor and everything. And then Steven uh, just wasn't like that. Like he just he gravitated more toward, you know, people that looked like him. And he just he he's not like he doesn't see himself as like a palatable person compared to Donald. So it's about, you know, it's these two different projections of like how you can act and how people will perceive it it's it's an anxiety thing this this show deals a lot with anxiety and it's obviously going to be particularly racial anxiety i really hope that we get an episode where maybe we get a little bit more of a psychological insight into urn's like inner struggles because that could that could unravel a lot of the things that we're not really seeing when we talk about urn being maybe like one of the least developed characters yeah if we get an episode where we see some of like the psychological and like mental obstacles that he's facing yeah that would be really really that's cool. yeah that's the thing we've only seen Ern deal with external stimuli yeah. we haven't seen him deal with anything internal really except for things caused by external like he 
he's dealing with problems with self-worth because he's broke as shit. So the show is about him dealing with being broke as shit, you know? But you're right. We, it would be cool if we saw a little more psychological aspect to his character. Yeah. yeah, I really thought that we were going to kind of see a little bit of something good happen for Ern's character at the very end where we had an amazing cameo by the Atlanta legend Michael Vick pop up. Great. That was which, sick. By the way, when was the last time you had seen Michael Vick? Because it's been several years. Yeah, now that was, was that was fucking awesome. He came out, and it was only he was only in there in the show for like a minute. He had maybe. one line. Yeah, he like that was that was it. But it was just him, and then he just has this like glance towards Donald Glover's character right before they're about to race, and you really thought like, you know what? Maybe this is Ern's time. He's finally going to stunt on somebody. I, I was he's going to stunt that. on Michael Vick. And then it had a, a great directing editing choice where it, it cuts like it's the end of a sitcom yeah. or like a you know a detective show, yeah. and then it cuts to it's them the in the freeze, limo, the freeze frame. Yeah, and, and Van's just lost. like it's Michael Vick. Come yeah, on. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um. So yeah, that we can wrap that up for Atlanta. All right. I've been watching a couple couple things. I finished up Star Trek Discovery on CBS All Access. It's 15 episodes. Is it um, airing on CBS? No, it's only on All All Access. That's crazy. How many I don't see a lot of people watching it. Then. I don't think anyone watches I, it. Yeah, I think that's the uh, problem. And it's really sad because it's a great fucking great show. Uh it it kind of didn't end as well as I would hope. Um the show really took a little bit of a detour towards the end there um but the journey was amazing i it's hard (laughs) it's hard to talk about this show without getting into specifics but it it just takes so many fucking crazy twists with the characters and the plot and just really explores these weird science fiction uh avenues in so like really entertaining and crazy ways i Really enjoyed watching this show. I don't know if it's going to get a second season just because Yikes. I feel like people didn't really watch it. I mean, how, what kind of budget are we looking at? Is it like the it original looked, where it's just mostly like in the ship? Or It looked really expensive. Damn. There were some really so weird. crazy action and special effects sequences. I mean, yeah, all, the networks are starting to really push for their own exclusive scre- streaming services. Uh, so I guess this was a you know a power move in that direction, but they may have sacrificed a really good show. In the process. Yeah. I I mean, there were a couple episodes here and there that kind of fell a little flat, you know, because it is a 15-episode season, so maybe if they would have trimmed it up, yeah. it, it, you wouldn't have had these, like, kind of lower energy episodes. 15 is just too many most of, most of the time. Sometimes you can fill it up appropriately, but, like, there's too many shows yeah. right now. And some there's a couple of actors that aren't good, but for the most <laughs> part, the, the acting's great. And there's something... I don't know if I should get into this. I do. You, are you guys ever gonna want to watch this show? Okay, can I? I I'm can honestly. I, thing is, I'm gonna tell you. I'm not gonna watch it. Okay. I want to watch it, but I don't really want to invest in CBS All Access. Like, I hate the idea that I have to buy a subscription for one right. show that I want to yeah, watch. Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna cancel my subscription now that I'm done watching the show, and then <laughs> if season two ever happens, then I'll I'll reboot it. But do you just care? go ahead? Just you don't go care? Ahead. Okay. Yeah, so mild ahead. spoilers. For Star Trek Discovery now, so there's a uh, there's a whole ton of fucking twists that, and I'm not gonna go through of them because we don't have time. But the one, the big one this season, is that 
basically the ship, the Discovery ship, is like a science vessel uh, vessel that's experimenting with like this really crazy form of interstellar travel that's like through spores through like mushroom mycelium spores that connect the fabric of the universe (laughs) and they're able to like use these spores in a new form of a hyperdrive so that they can instantly like fucking teleport from one side of the universe to another without having to fly through hyperspace so it's like at the snap of a finger they can just teleport um and there's like all these crazy developments with this character who is like the lead science officer who's like leading this whole hyper, you know, mushroom drive, spore drive division. And he eventually like connects himself to the drive because that's the only way that they're able to control it. Otherwise, they'd just be jumping r- randomly yeah. from pl- place to place. They need a, a a pilot for the drive. So he creates like an adapter into his body where he like connects and is able to pilot it. Uh, And there's a whole nother subplot that leads to him making that decision because they try other different things. But what happens is he, that starts draining on him and it starts like really taking a toll on him doing that and connecting himself to the spore drive over and over and over. Mm. And there's a part where he like the captain of the ship has him make a bunch of jumps sequentially like jump 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 Mm. jump in order to like compute this like algorithm for for travel does it get fucking trippy they end up in a alternate reality so a parallel universe so you start to see like these actors play like alternate versions of themselves or like playing the current version of themselves that is pretending to be the alternate version of themselves. That's like what Adam was talking about last week with the JK Simmons show with counterpart. Yeah. 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 But imagine that, but like in space Space. (laughs) with like Star Trek. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a whole bunch of other crazy shit that happens, but that itself is like such a driving force in the show and like everything that has to do with the spore drive and all of the investigation and development of it. Mm. So interesting. God. So cool. That sounds like really, really interesting. Yeah, sounds, I mean, that sounds, that sounds like it's not, I mean, it's not enough of a spoiler that would keep me from and there's, to watch there's the show. Other re, like, there's a huge, huge twist that I would never, ever want to give away <laughs> because it's so satisfying. And then a couple other smaller ones. But that's like the main big thing True. that like kind of, holds the whole story of the season together because i don't know about i mean like i said earlier um i never i was never really into star trek but from the episodes that i saw and from what i've read it was never like a very serialized show it was always like just little episodic adventures this does a little there's like smaller little arcs that carry over over two two or three episodes but that whole story as a whole, it's like that's the main that's bulk the of main, the story. Yeah, so, the so part. does it get into like philosophical kind of things like that? Because that was something I've seen a few episodes of the Next Generation. Some of my favorite episodes that I've seen of the Next Generation get into very deep philosophical kind of ideas of, like, for example, with data, like what it means to be yeah. conscious, well, stuff this, like that. This show prioritizes like the action and the peril. And like the drama okay. and, 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 and honestly it does really well with like some of the interpersonal rea- relationships between the crew. Like there's some drama True. with like some love and, and, and familiar relations and all that. Um, and, uh, like romantic love and like parents and all that. But 
there are times where it does dive into some more intellectual um philosophical stuff it's just not the main focus of the show okay there are times where it does touch on it and then you know at, at the end uh at the very end of the show when they return to their original uh timeline there's this big question that sort of hangs over that's like do we use this knowledge of another um world of another universe to win the war against the klingons mm. or do we keep it hidden because it, could, it, it kind of this. opens up this thing where like people are like thinking that there's another world out there where their lost loved ones could still be alive. So damn, I'm, I'm just trying to figure like, so it definitely makes sense that this is on, not on CBS network. What else is on CBS all access? Uh, Young the, Sheldon, the, the good fight. <laughs> that's what I'm, yeah, that's what I'm saying. So like, they is this had, the only show that's like CBS All Access? No, the, the good fight. Okay, so they had an idea that, that was smart, but they didn't con- they didn't finish it. The initial idea was smart because it was okay. We're going to get a show. CBS is for old people. This show is not for old people. From everything you're describing, yeah, not so at all. So they're like, okay, we'll get the millennial crowd onto our online platform. They'll pay for it to see the one show, and then they'll stay for what? Nothing. Yeah, yeah, for what? <laughs> yeah. So they they had the inkling of something good. They had half a plan perfect and then they just they didn't follow through like you have to have that thing that's going to keep people there on cbs all access yeah that's that's frustrating because i mean by all accounts not just yours this is a a pretty good show and it just seems like it might die in the water honestly like i i feel like i mean i might just end up trying to do the free trial and then trying to binge through it as much I would as i recommend can that. yeah maybe i'll pay for like a month of it or so but just try to get through it quickly because i I want to check out the show. Like I've heard great things from you, from Grant, from other people that really, really love this show. So. Yeah. I, I don't see any other, there's something called no activity, which is a comedy. I think that just means that there's, it's there's air. no activity. <laughs> <laughs> ha ha ha. It's so funny. All right. Uh, there's just really quick. Another thing that I've been watching, I want to make a quick Netflix recommendation to everyone out there. I know that sometimes uh, it's hard to choose what to watch on Netflix and, you know, you're scrolling through and, uh, and you're just, you don't know what to watch. And you're like, I'll guess I'll just, uh, I'll just put on The Office because what the fuck else am I going to do? I, wait, there's Netflix has other things in The Office. <laughs> so there's a, a, a 2005 horror uh, film on there called The Descent. And I had never seen this movie. And when I was younger, I I never really got into horror movies. So now I'm kind of having to play catch up now that I'm older and having to go back and see all these uh, movies that I missed. So 05 horror movie. And I heard it pop up on a couple other um, podcasts when they were discussing Annihilation. Um, There are a couple uh, similarities, uh, mainly the fact that it's a all female team heading into this sort of unknown territory and Mm -hmm. fighting the unknown. Mm -hmm. Um, But other than that, it's very much like a creature film, like a monster movie because they go into this sort of unexplored cave system mm-hmm. in the Appalachian Mountains, and they quickly find out. Yeah, that's that what I thought it was like a cave mm-hmm. movie. Yeah, that there's like something down there. Um, the movie is very effective in its um, the the just putting you in this kind of claustrophobic space with these characters. The lighting is great. It all looks like they really went down. I'm sure they got a couple of shots in an actual cave, but everything that was shot on a set looks great. Like, you really get the sense that they're down deep in this cave. I mean, 05 is before they, you know, might just green screen the whole thing, so I bet it's a lot of practical stuff. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, I'm 
I'm a hundred percent positive that they weren't able to get a whole film crew under these caves. Yeah, yeah. Because so there's, just there's big... some shots that they it gets really, really cramped, and you just feel like the fucking claustrophobia. And the there's like a cave in, and like people they're like trapped in there. It's really intense. There is one big knock that I give this movie though, and it's something that I couldn't really forgive. I don't know if it's because of a low budget and because they weren't they really didn't have much money to work with, but the the scenes of like intense action when they start like facing off against these creatures, it is edited to shreds. Oh, it's no. like cut, 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 cut. Like I don't oh. think there's a single like kind of long take that lets you like really see what's going on. And it's dark. And it's like kind of frenetic. So it does put you in the space of like high anxiety and like, you know, you don't really know what's happening. But I, for me, I pay attention to this kind of stuff. I just, it really kind of ruined the movie a little oh, bit Oh, yeah, for me. definitely. I I think, anytime that I see a big action scene, anything like that, and it's just super edited, yeah. I'm like, wow. So I, I'm i just immediately <laughs> taken out of it completely. Yeah, and I mean, we like we read about movies and stuff, and we really pay attention to that, but I feel like intuitively, like I've always hated scenes like that because they just, they're not effective in portraying what's happening, which is like almost the only thing a movie is supposed to do sometimes. Uh, like I remember being a kid and being like, what's going on in yeah. this fucking scene right now? So I don't think it's exclusive to just film people to be annoyed by that. I yeah. Think. And even, even if you don't know that you're seeing a bunch of cuts, you, you just feel like a little bit out of it. Yeah. You don't just feel, yeah, there's invested. just, there's a feeling that it gives a base feeling that is the reason yeah. that it's intellectually not a good idea. Exactly. You know? But other than that, the acting's pretty solid throughout, you know, it's an all female cast, um, everyone does a, a really solid job. You you care about these women going in there and you know not surviving. Uh, <laughs> Spoiler! God damn it! Spoiler for a horror movie from two thousand five. It's 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 a horror movie. Like you know, yeah. you're, they're all yeah, going yeah. in there, and you're like, okay, who's gonna make it? Who's who's gonna be right. the first to die? It's mm. it's a trope. It's, yeah, you, you see it coming. Portman um, makes it. But even though even though you kind of know that's happening there's still peril and it's still effective with the drama mm. and the tension. And again, all of the lighting and set design of these caves looks awesome. I don't know how they did it, but it really, really looks like they shot it in a cave. I, so, I need to, I need to recheck it. out this movie. I think this was a movie that I saw like whenever I was younger, but I don't really remember anything about, it. I just remember the look of the monsters. I love the look of the monsters. The monsters, it's, they look cool. What are they? It's it's basically it's like, like an a, early model for the amphibious man of Shape of Water. Yeah, but <laughs> way Doug Jones, way slimier. <laughs> yeah, and um, like, like, aren't they like tan kind of looking? Yeah, like, it's just imagine like a like a really so the humanoid. Yeah, yeah. Okay. like a human that has just lived in a cave. I I like that <laughs> over like just random miscellaneous creatures. Yeah. It's really creepy when it looks like you. Yeah, a little it's, bit. It's super cool, and they've evolved to live in total pitch black darkness that's pretty dope so it, okay. I, I love the design of them the the costume design yeah. of that is great i just so, i need to i need to revisit this movie i didn't know that like people were kind of i mean now that you kind of talk about the like all female cast and i guess some of the things that happen in the movie i can't see the parallels between mm-hmm. that and annihilation it's a little slow at the beginning yeah. they don't get to the cave for a little while so but, is annihilation but, so mm-hmm. but you it takes its time to set up the characters so you actually care about them by the time they get to yeah. The, to the crazy shit Ooh, so that's the descent on netflix check it out solid you know quick little 90 minute horror movie um last thing before we get to our review 
I recently set up a little projector setup in my room with a Blu-ray player. Ooh. Fuck. Yeah. You want to talk about your my, collection uh, that you're uh, you're building? Yeah, my, my mom was kind enough to, to get me an extra projector that she had lying around, and I set it up on my wall. And then I bought a little Blu-ray player, and I was like, huh, what, what should I bust it out with? What should I uh, celebrate with? And I went with... Can I guess? Gone Girl? Yeah. Wow. With commentary? How did I, how did I do that? <laughs> with commentary? No, well, I actually watched... I actually listened to the commentary the day after I saw it, um, just like at work while I was while I was working. I kind of just listened to it in the background. Um, but the movie itself, I hadn't seen in years it's what four years old at this yeah, point i saw yeah, it, it last year and it's still 2014 yeah. so yeah four years and i think this was only my second time watching it so oh, true so i was i was a little curious to see how it would hold up um you know without or with knowing what happens so it's, it's great dude i've seen it like three times yeah it's it's really is i think that it's it might be if it's not my favorite fincher movie it's in like my top two or three yeah it's, really? like, it's in my I, top three wow. i i Absolutely love this movie. I like I it saw, more than seven. I like it more than seven. It's like right up there with Social Network and Zodiac. I think yeah. I'd probably put Zodiac one, wow. Gone Girl two, and then Social Network three. Ooh, ooh, I'd go Social Network at the top. Yeah, I think I would. Yeah. Uh, Social Network it just has a little bit too much talking. I, I really want to rewatch Zodiac and Zodiac the is game. Amazing. Yeah, the game yeah. too is another. Now that we uh, excellent movie. Once we get to game night, we'll yeah, talk about all the parallels. There. There. There's a lot of Fincher references in there. Yeah, yeah. But but Gone Girl, man. Seeing this movie again was such a treat because it's all it's the Rosamund Pike show. Like, oh yes, she carries the film. Yeah, she nails it. It's and it's also there. You know, there's plenty of analysis on this, but it's three entirely different movies within one. So the mm. runtime you don't feel at all. You feel like you just watched like vignettes almost. Yeah. Um, where it starts is it's so close to true crime that I thought it was like hats off to Jillian Flynn. I thought it was based on Scott Peterson, right? Who was <laughs> yeah? There have been a few scandals like this in like the early two thousands where like a girl will she's either found dead or she disappears like a wife a loving wife. And then, you know, it's this cookie cutter white bread family and the husband is just a little because he's in the public eye. Everyone's over analyzing everything he's doing. And so they're like, man, I bet this fucking guy did it. And so it <laughs> yeah. starts off like that. And you're also you're, Affleck's like the perfect guy. Oh, yeah. You cast. He looks like Scott Peterson. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he's yeah, he's great as a guy that you kind of don't like. Yeah. But <laughs> I, he's still like basic enough to be like, oh, this is just a dude. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's like, hmm, he probably killed his wife. I feel like it's like it's one of those movies that like first time watching it i was like god this movie would be just a masterpiece if they had anybody else except for ben affleck but it's almost like his Shut his up. his underacting you, you hate ben affleck that's not incorrect <laughs> but he acts like so like little and underacts yeah, so much a, in this movie perfect. that it works for his character yeah cuz that's <laughs> the whole thing is that it's, he's getting scrutinized so much that he's at a press conference and he like smirks and everyone's like, oh, he did it. He did it. Yeah, he, he's a fucking murderer. Yeah, that happened in like 2004. I remember watching the news every day about it. Um, so, yeah, it starts like that. And then it de- it evolves. It's almost like from dusk till dawn where it just has this switch. And then it's like, whoa, yeah, it's a like different yeah. movie. Yeah, so, a totally different movie. Spoilers. If you haven't seen Gone Girl, go fucking see Gone Girl. Yeah, this yeah, movie right is, what are you it doing? is really yeah. amazing. So we're, we're going to get to the big moment now. So there's... There's a scene that leads up to okay, so so basically the, the there's a scavenger hunt that Ben Affleck and the cops are following, and it's it's presumed that um, what's her name, a- um, a- Amy, uh, has been leaving these clues 
so that the cops figure out like who killed her. And then it's revealed that all of the purchases that she made on Ben Affleck's credit card are all in the shed. And the music is building. That Trent Reznor score is just oh like my God, building yes. and building the and score building is and so building. Good. We get to the shed. He opens it. It's all the purchases. We fade to black. And then, boom, we get that beautiful shot of mm-hmm. Amy in the car just driving away, hair blowing in the breeze. And she's throwing out all the pens that she used in yeah. those like close up inserts of her writing the diary. So like, yeah, so it becomes pens. a kind of like more of a detective type thing where you're realizing, oh, okay, so she set this entire thing up and she's on the run now because she was so sick of her domestic life. And the movie has, you know, some things to say about expectations of women and men in relationships and in society. Marriage, yeah. Um like that's the there's a great monologue about like how every guy wants a, a girl who's fun like who hangs and acts like a guy and they basically just want to fuck a guy and he was just <laughs> and her whole thing was just like so i decided that i was going to be that girl and yeah like all this this whole like idea of her just like putting on this mask and this it's, idea of her be becoming someone else that she wasn't yeah, actually it's such a great take on the unreliable narrator yeah exactly and tyler perry's in there as <laughs> as her you know she get he gets a big shot lawyer um, and that's Tyler Perry. It, and then it, there's a Neil Patrick Harris plot line that gets like straight gore. Yeah. yeah and and it that is really, awesome. I just, <laughs> I so love cool. That was one of the coolest moments like in a movie, like the biggest like holy shit yeah, moment. The scoring is, is incredible in that scene. It's a bunch of wah, wah, yeah. wah. Yeah. And yeah, and she they're in this. She fucks him and then. Yeah. She, well, she goes, she goes fucking. to Neil Patrick Harris and like goes to her character. It's just like, I had to run away from my husband. He was abusing me doing all this yeah, shit. And Neil's like a stalker. So he's like, oh yeah, of course. Come and on, then dude. like, <laughs> but she's so manipulative the whole time that knowing that he has cameras set up all over his house, he like just, he she like abuses herself and then like goes there like acting like she's screaming in front of a camera yeah she's yeah it's it's basically it's terrifying it's terrifying because pike is really good and her character is very well written so again hats off to jillian flynn because this is an evil fucking genius lady yeah i mean she adapted her own book it's her screenplay yeah it's it's very it's an impressive screenplay obviously fincher just completely nails it but um, that scene where side. she kills Neil Patrick Harris is just like that was one of those scenes that watching it in the theater I was so like jaw dropped like I could not believe what the fuck yeah. I was yeah seeing. it's it's it that's why it's an incredible movie it's just it's like from dusk till dawn but more subtle because that movie is just like it's Tarantino so it's balls fucking yeah. out yeah on both sides of it but this is a movie that just like it keeps you guessing and it's also not too out there that you're just like okay fuck this like yeah. it's it has the perfect balance of like you're still on board and it's it's completely changing and, before your eyes and your your elite your allegiance changes like you're rooting for a yeah. different person yeah. every 10 minutes it completely right. changes like oh cuz then initially when she runs away you're kind of like oh i kind of like that like she's she's on the run like blah 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 and then you're like oh no she's bad she's very scary yeah. oh i'm scared and then you're rooting for Affleck, who was like the total asshole in the movie, <laughs> yeah. and he was cheating on her. Um, here, really quick, just if you guys don't believe me about Ben Affleck looking like Scott Peters. Oh my yeah. God. Jesus that's Christ. What, that's oh what I'm saying. God. The, Look first, Scott the first half of this movie is based on the Peterson trial. Yeah. Drew um, just showed us a little picture it's, of Scott Peterson. Scott, yeah, uh, Ben Affleck's dick. <laughs> but uh, I just, I love, and I love the ending to this movie that. 
Ben Affleck, like Rosamund Pike, comes home as like the hero who is able to escape her captor and everything. And Ben Affleck is just like, "You're fucking psychotic. Like, yeah. I don't want to be with you." And she's just like, "Is that really what you want to do right now? Your your wife, who you thought was just almost dead, who who was kidnapped from you, now you're going to get a divorce from her. Mm. Like, she's so fucking manipulative. I can't believe Rosamund Pike lost the Oscar. She was nominated for this role, yeah. But uh, I can't remember who she lost to. But this was one of the best performances." Yeah. That I've ever seen And again with the script Like I'm just remembering So much happens in this movie It's gotta be over It's definitely over two hours Because Oh it's like almost three Yeah it's like, yeah, it's it's like two and a half yeah, Two and a half hours It's super long Because there's this whole plot line With her living in that trailer park And like you know those. Yeah, yeah those, is that where Carrie Coon's character no, Comes no, no, involved No Carrie Coon is Ben Affleck's sister. Oh, yeah, that's They're right. Twins, that's right. And yeah. it's, it is an unbelievably great performance. Yeah, she's, yeah. So I mean, it's fucking Yeah, good. it's a great dimensional character. It's a very believable, like, big sis who's, like, fed up with her little bro. Yeah, and it's I mean, because awesome. it reaches the point where, like, in the beginning of the movie, where it's revealed that Ben Affleck is cheating on Rosamund Pike's, on yeah. Amy and all this stuff. And she, like, actually asks him, like, did you do it? Like, yeah. I, like, she doesn't even know what to believe anymore. Yeah. yeah. And with the, with the buy-in of this movie, it's it's all that much better. You're along for the ride because this is another script thing, but Gillian Flynn writes in the perfect like addition to the reason that Rosamund Pike's character would do this, which is her parents wrote books about her based on her when she was a child. So her whole life she's been labeled as like this perfect little girl. And so and then she marries the perfect guy, Ben Affleck, and he just falls apart and everything falls apart for them. So her entire life it makes sense. The backstory, even though it's a movie, it has better backstory than most TV shows where you're like, yeah. that. it totally makes yeah. sense that she would want to just go ape shit and, and, and like shake free of her identity. And Amy wanted to completely rid herself of that life. Like she gained all this weight, completely changed her look. It wasn't part of her plan to go back to it. But then she she fucks up. She trusts these this couple, which is the same dude from Logan. Uh-huh. Um, and yeah, this couple and they rob her of all her cash. So she has no money left and she just has to devise this plan to return back to her, yeah. to her life. And that's how she ends yeah. up contacting MPH and, you know, setting all that up. The, the MPH thing has like one of the only main gripes I have with the movie, which is if she is framing him as like a captor abuser guy they really drive home the point that he has cameras all over his house and she even says like hey check the tapes like check check the cameras like he did this to me mm. if they were to check those tapes they would see that she wasn't there for a month being tortured they yeah. would see that she arrived there like a couple of days earlier and then yeah, and then that's... was only there for a few days before he killed. It, I mean, it also him. I had a bigger issue with the very end where she's just. It's kind of like a. That's really that's where you're gonna leave things, <laughs> you know, with them kind of like stuck together. Yeah, um, and she's pregnant. Yeah, yeah. The, but I I probably have problems with the third act of most movies, if I'm being honest. Um, so I can't fault it that much. So anyway, what did you learn from the commentary? Anything? Uh, yeah, a couple things. Uh, before I do that though i do want to shout out scoot mcnary is in this movie for one scene really scoots in it yeah i flipped out (laughs) because i had completely forgot i I mean i probably didn't even know scoot 
when I first saw this movie. And he has one scene where Ben Affleck is like in like he's on to to Amy and he wants to figure out like what the fuck where she is. And she's investigating. uh, He's investigating her old boyfriends. And Scoot is an ex-boyfriend who is now a sexual offender oh my because god she oh my framed god, I him that. of rape holy shit that's a, so, that's a classic scoot i role. can't believe so, that was scoot mcneary so scoot's, that's wild scoot's sitting there talking to ben affleck and he's like he's like she said i raped her me <laughs> me <laughs> Yeah, do he's like, do I look like a serial killer? <laughs> he has the best rapist and now face. He has to like, he he can't date. He hasn't had a date in ten years. Every time he applies for a job or moves somewhere, he has to write down that he's like a sexual offender. Yeah, because he okay. got convicted. Oh of my rape. god, that's, a fun that's, little that's yeah. wild. It's Be- a great, best friend of the pod, Scoot McNary. It's yeah. a great Scoot role. It just one scene. He fucking nails it. Right. He's amazing. Uh, but the commentary, uh, just a couple cool little things. Uh, Fincher. You know, he's notorious for doing all of these multiple takes of every single shot. He'll do like 20, 30 takes of a single setup just to get it fucking perfect. Mm -hmm. So he has every possible iteration of it that he could use in the edit. So he talks about that towards the end of the commentary. It's a shot of uh, Neil Patrick Harris pulling up to the house, the lake house, and he just parks the car right at the front. He gets out and walks in and he's talking about it and he's like, you know. This shot right here, this setup, we did it twice, and then we walked away. So all of you out there that don't even know me and keep ragging on me for doing too many shots, you can go fuck yourselves. <laughs> <laughs> he says that. Fincher's a very interesting personality. Oh, my God. In interviews, he's like he's really weird. Yeah. He's definitely a weirdo. And then also, he uh, there's this other shot of Ben Affleck. Um, sitting in the airport and then th- all of the news around him start like accusing him of conspiring with his sister and like hinting towards like some twin cess shit that they're like you know oh, those, yeah, these yeah, tabloid, yeah. there's like the whole yeah. like tabloid Real news subplot of like him just mm-hmm. being a fucking crazy murderer so he's sitting there and like the news is playing and and uh, everyone's kind of like they're not noticing him, but he doesn't want to be noticed. So he's kind of like crouching down and then he puts a baseball cap on on his head and to kind of hide his face. Mm-hmm. And then Fincher's like, OK, so this cap, this baseball cap, I wanted it to be a Yankees cap. Oh, my Ben Affleck but wasn't going to do that. Ben Affleck <laughs> oh being God. a Boston boy refused to wear a Yankees cap. So Fincher's like, we had to shut down production for four days <laughs> oh to figure out oh what God. cap he was going to wear because I wasn't going to have him wear a Red Sox cap. No way. Yeah, that would be too on brand. And then, and then um, uh, he, the way he says this, how he's saying that it's like it was very unprofessional for Ben to do this and to shut down production and have us like sit <laughs> mm. down and figure this out and just not wear the cap that I told him to. He was like very unprofessional. He was actually like pissed at Ben Affleck. That's really funny. Like it wasn't a joke. He was like so unprofessional of him to do that. So, so unprofessional. That's awesome. What hat did he end up wearing? <laughs> I don't know. It, it looks like a Yankees cap, but kind of with like a red trim. I, so like a, just a generic cap. Then. Yeah. Like yeah. It was a generic just, New York true. cap. Yeah. <laughs> That's really funny. Yeah, <laughs> they're just like Cause Ben the was mo- like, "No, the nope, movie had not nothing it. to do with Boston. Like they lived in New York City. Yeah, so. that would just be that <laughs> right. Would be, it would have been and also everyone would be sense. like, hey, it's Ben Affleck in a red thong.' <laughs> yeah, 
All right. Well, that's, that's interesting. Yeah. That's why. Overall, the commentary is great. I really recommend I it. I really want to listen. Yeah. I've heard that uh, Fincher always has great commentary. Yeah. Um, uh, did you guys ever see this movie in theaters whenever it came out? No. No? I didn't get a chance to. Oh. Man. I actually... Okay, so uh, I have a story about seeing this movie in theaters. I was actually... I was with Colin. Um, and, uh, really quick, I'm going to go take a shit. Well, we're about so. to take a break. And then well, let's go right into the break. Um, so I, uh, I was like... Going going back to Tallahassee or whatever, and Colin and I, I mean, wherever we get together in Tallahassee, we always just try and see if there's any good movies out to go see. And we heard that Gone Girl just came out like this weekend that I was going up, and I was like, I've heard nothing about this movie. But I was like, you know, it's Fincher. Like, sure, it'll be all right. Like, yeah. we'll go check it out. Always, and like, Fincher's always good. Colin and I watched this movie, and like, we were just like, got out of the theater. We we're like, dude, that was like fucking amazing, wasn't it? Like, I'm, it wasn't just me that thought that that was incredible. Like, this was a movie that just totally blew me away just because I didn't know this story at all going into it. Like, this was a movie that I really went into, like, completely yeah. blind, just knowing it was Fincher and Rosamund Pike and Ben Affleck. And I, as listeners of the pod know, I don't like Ben Affleck at all. The Batfleck, it's not it's for one me. Of his best roles, but here. yes, he's abs- he's absolutely amazing in this movie. Just for what he does, like it's perfect for him. Rosamund Pike, though, like my God, I need to look up who she actually lost the Oscar to, just because uh, she. I just I just looked it up. Julianne Moore in Still Alice. Yeah, which one of those roles is still being remembered? I, I never later. even saw that movie. Yeah, exactly. I don't know what that is. <laughs> Rosamund Pike had like really like a transcendental performance in this yeah. movie. Oh, career best. Yeah. All right, well, we're going to take a quick break. And when we get back, we're going to be talking game night. Game night. Be right back. Are you, are you playing anything? Why is it so quiet? Oh, okay, cool. Now it's break time. <laughs> Be right back. taking a shit next to you i he actually was in the toilet and i was pooping and he was like squeak 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 and i was like oh shit my bad so i shit in your sink so for for context there was a rat in our closet yeah well i caught a little rat in the bathroom last night you might be thinking but guys you have so much podcast money like can you not afford pest control it's not so glamorous this life of ours you know you gotta grind we had to grind to get this view. We're going to have to grind to get a view with no rats in it. You know what I mean? 
I I put on some work gloves and I was all in to go after this rat and just take it by the throat. Yeah. But I, I saw that squirmy fat little thing and I I squealed like a little girl. Yeah, we I both s- did. Hey, I squeaked. We, we trapped Ra- rats are cool, guys. We trapped it. Well, for last night I caught one and I let it go and I was very proud of myself. Um seeing as I'm like 500 times the size of it and then today two, the two of us could not get this little guy he's squirming around somewhere he might guest on the podcast at some point yeah. here. I think that he saw game night as well if you see he if, or she I don't want to assign a gender to this rat if yeah. you hear a little yeah yep that's a little, little squeak head also I got scratched by it last night the so rat. you definitely have rabies though. <laughs> I, I mean I definitely I didn't clean it because I figured something cool might happen I've seen movies you could become rat man I, yeah. I can tell you right now someone is making barbecue like three miles away and I can smell it splinter from Teenage Ninja Turtles yeah someone yeah. someone just opened a wheel of Limburger cheese like on the fucking space coast and I, and I oh I want that shit let me tell you and we're back. <laughs> Let's get to our review of Game Night. Right. So so before we actually talk about the movie, do you guys want to talk about the day that we actually went and saw Game Night? Well, no, so, because I saw it on a different day from you. You did, dick. but uh, so I was off. It was uh, this past Wednesday, and um, I just messaged our big group chat that we had. It was just like, Game Night tonight, anybody? Which... Everybody except for Ernest took as, okay, we're going to have a board game night. Yeah, let's play games. <laughs> and they all ended up going and having a board game night while I went and saw the movie. Yeah. <laughs> I joined in later for the game night. Yeah, we had a blast, though. Played a... Good suggestion. Watched y'all play some Munchkin. Yeah. Uh, Betrayal at the house on the, uh, on the house on the hill. Yeah. I believe is what it's called. Munchkin was fucking me that night. I'm telling you. This is why I just watch movies. And movies I often get fuck fucked by over. Munchkins. Really? <laughs> Little people. I'm sorry. So I'm sorry. I, I would have... I would have rather have had a game night if this movie hadn't been so entertaining. Whoa. Transition. So, so yeah, initial thoughts. This movie's pretty good. I had a lot of fun. It's pretty good. I think that this is one of my favorite movies of the year that I've seen so far. Yeah, haven't seen many. I'm not going to call it uh, like essential. I'm not going to call it uh, great, but it's you cannot call it bad either. It's a good movie. It's solidly good. I actually think that this is one of the best comedies in years. Wow. To be perfectly honest, That's like bold. this, we've gotten to a point where there's so many extremely generic comedies that are coming out that just appeal to the lowest common denominator. A lot of them starring Jason Bateman. Look at Office Christmas Party. Yeah. Like, what? Are you kidding that, me? That's the thing. The, the, this movie is made a lot better by the company that it's in because most studio comedies are fucking trash. And this movie isn't trash, so it's automatically better than most. I mean, Mark Perez, the, the writer... The only other stuff that he's written <laughs> accepted, is bro. He wrote Her- accepted. Yeah, Herbie fully loaded and accepted, and the Country Bears. Yes, but this movie, more importantly, I think, was taken by the people who wrote Horrible Bosses and Spider Man Homecoming. Uh, John Francis Daly, who you might know as Sam on uh, Freaks and Geeks, the little kid, and who your mom might know as Sweets on Bones. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> He yeah he's a turns out he's a very effective director nowadays yeah so I when I found out that it was by the guys who did horrible bosses I was not surprised it shares a lot of parallels that too is a movie that is better than it looks it has pretty good humor and it has a massive cast 
and it, it deals with a similar theme of like bringing like crime into like a you know suburban like white bread world that's that's kind of like a like a trope now with a lot of these yeah, you yeah, know yeah. comedy studio comedies because what's happening now in hollywood is like these movies that are kind of mid budget not quite indie mm-hmm. but definitely not like big blockbuster they're dying like these movies are just not getting made and they're having to struggle with like how to stay alive. Yeah. And the way these comedies have managed to do that is just to take like this, you know, everyday sort of thing, like a, like a game night mm-hmm. and just add a whole bunch of action and, and drama and, yeah. and peril and craziness um, to it. Yeah. And it's, I, I think it's a good get for, for actors because with most comedies, the shooting schedule is really tight. Like it's shot, instead of like a big movie that'll shoot over the course of months it'll it'll be a lot quicker yeah so and you don't have to wear superhero tights yeah exactly it just gives big actors a chance to have fun and just kind of it's also a good marketing thing for their personalities like for jennifer anderson and horrible bosses to be like hey i'm still fun old jen i'm not just doing like bigger stuff now um so this movie's cast is like unreal yeah, let's though. go through the cast yeah um there's a a couple of standouts here. Jason Bateman is doing yeah. Jason Bateman. Yeah, so the main couple is Jason Bateman and Rachel McAdams. They are just, they're hyper competitive and they love games, like particularly trivia games. The whole opening of the film is their, them kind of falling in love over yeah. their competitiveness. And, which I really like their opening whole thing with yeah, them together like the, the bar scene that was, was just great and just the very first line of the whole movie that opens up on is who here's trying to get fucked up yeah. <laughs> and then he's just like i'll get uh four shots of vodka and four shots of water send the water to our table and send the yeah. vodka over so there you, just because you can tell yeah, how you immediately get he is. yeah he's scheming he's also just playing jason bateman kind of exasperated and he never really does anything different. yeah i mean he has the same like four facial expressions yeah. at all times he's, but it works he's that thing he's very good he's essentially uh vince vaughn's little brother yeah. in a way where like he's he has a little fast talking like exasperated thing going on he's just less assertive than vince vaughn so he's just kind of like really that's happening okay yeah um <laughs> so yeah it's the that's the setup and then initially this is why i wasn't super keen on the beginning because the setup of the emotional through line is not great it's pretty corny the meeting with the uh, fertility lady and she's like Hey, uh, your you know your fertility count's really low. Uh, are you stressed out in any way? And she's like, "Well, your your brother is coming into town. Is that it?" And, and he's like, "No." And also, he brother. plays games all the time and is yeah. also very competitive. So, but it's the setup is that Kyle Chandler, who's very good, is uh is his brother who's just better at everything, and it's stressing him out so much that he can't have children. That's not actually really a thing, <laughs> but it's it's just for the sake of the movie. A lot of the stuff that happens in this yeah, movie is yeah, it's true, but super it, heightened. That see that struck me. That was the most standard comedy thing there has to be a beginning part where there's a meeting and the initial problem is introduced and this did it kind of clunky it wasn't very yeah. funny the scene with the fertility lady where she's like hey your brother sounds pretty cool well, Can I go it, on a date with him I was like no that's bad it makes it so like the main arc that's being set up the main through line for Jason Bateman's character is basically like him coming to terms with his own yeah. like actualization it's like, it's pretty it's 101 stuff so you can't blame it too much because it's it's like the it's like in Die Hard that's an action movie to the core, but John McClane in the beginning is divorced and he has to realize he wants to be with his wife. Right. Mm. So it has to set that up somehow. It just thought it was a little clunky. Um, so then you're introduced to the couples that they have their game night with. Um, and there's some, there's some really good performances in here with these people. So we have, we have Kai, 
Kylie Burnbury and Lamone Morris as yeah. like the two, like the black couple, and they've been together since they've middle been, school. Like, yeah, yeah, they had like a children. brief break. Uh, Lamone but... Morris is Winston on New Girl, yes. and he's a, he broke out in New Girl. He's very very funny. He's great. Um, he, it was kind of an Adam Scott situation where he was he was the second person cast. It was the opposite of Adam Scott and Parks and Rec, but yeah. Uh, and then the the initial person had to leave the show. So it was the way ins the way ins. Yeah, brother, the way ins yeah. brother left, so he came in season two, and he's he's a show stealer. He's really really funny. Um, and their bit throughout the movie is a pretty standard bit of it's like so good. He finds out early on that she fucked a celebrity, and he's trying to figure out who it is. Um, so that's that's most of the extent of what we learn about those two. Yeah, um, I love the way this movie plays with like games mm. like there's so many little games littered throughout the plot to advance the characters yeah, and like their relationships it's all, to each yeah, other it's all, it all runs on games yeah uh, and then you're introduced to Billy Magnuson who is not in hardly anything and he has a few dramatic roles he was so in, um, fucking funny he was in Ingrid Goes West yeah really he, good in that he is like he was the standout of the movie aside from the one that like we're all gonna agree on but yeah. he was the one where I was like who the fuck like this guy is like He's not just movie funny. He's funny funny. Yeah. He basically plays like the dumb blonde. Yeah. And he's this. like a perfect uh, antithesis to Sharon Horgan's character. Yeah, as Sharon the Horgan smart British from, um, character. From Catastrophe. Yeah, yeah, they have kind of a false love interest thing going on where they both don't want to be with each other. But they're yeah. there. He, she's there because he invited her. And he invited her because she he thinks she's good at games because she's European. Yeah. <laughs> and um, then we have Kyle Chandler is introduced as the brother. Yeah, yeah. And he's, you know, he's seemingly incredible. And so the, you know, the, the plot gets going when he goes to their game night and he like you know he fucks over jason bateman and jason bateman's like god i hate my fucking brother and then and you he's buy like, them you buy them yeah and you, yeah. And, yeah and you get it and you're and he's like hey man next week let's do it in my fucking mansion bro it's gonna be a real game night yeah. and it's like okay that's that's when it'll start getting going and i was like all right let's get to it let's get to it but before we actually get to that we're introduced to who is the mvp of this uh, oh this yeah movie. mvp of everything he's in <laughs> yeah jesse plemons jesse plemons fat damon is that's he is Damon. so good in this movie. Like I, we gotta get. We'll wait till we get to spoilers to talk more about his character. Mm -hmm. But it's worth seeing this movie just to see this performance because I think that Jesse Plemons either deserves an Oscar or he deserves <laughs> to be locked in jail because nobody plays being creepy. Yeah, the same way that Jesse he, Plemons does. So He's like uncomfortable. It's it's not the, quite the same as the guy in the Florida Project, the child. <laughs> pedophile but he's almost on that level where you see him and you're instantly uncomfortable he is yeah i mean he was introduced to us as the like the the most hateable person on breaking bad yeah. which is saying something um and he yeah he's just killing it as an ugly actor you know yeah. it's hard to make it when you're ugly and he is so good in everything he's in he's pitch perfect he's on the first episode of the new season of black mirror he's that guy he's yeah. the creepy guy um he is so good because he does something in this movie that a lot of actors fail to do in comedies, which is play it dramatically. He he does not like go for timing. His pauses are so long and uncomfortable. <laughs> he is fully committed to this character in the middle of a zany comedy yeah. movie. He is playing like the most depressing, downtrodden, creepy person, and it's it's incredible. Yeah, he's he's, a, he's, he's a divorced cop who is um the neighbor of the main yeah couple so they're divorced and he's just like he's like hey guys you still want to be my friend or was it just and so that's the whole dynamic is they think he's creepy as fuck but like they were kind of obligated to be friends with him yeah. and now they have to like act like they like him still yeah um the, the all the dynamics between these characters are really enjoyable I, I don't think that there's anyone who stumbles and that's what makes this film work so well is that all these these 
these actors are doing a great job and they're being directed pretty expertly by these guys and like there's some awesome camera moves yeah let's let's talk about the directing i saw an unreal amount of influence from edgar wright in this oh yes definitely Uh, i I got this i mean particularly the action sequences were super edgar wright and then the transitions were like Mm -hmm. they weren't copying they were just edgar wright transitions like with the you know quick shots of like eggs boom 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 this 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 and now we're here like that's just straight out of the book, which is a good thing because, you know, if you're a movie maker, you rip someone off. Mm-hmm. He's a good person to rip off. If you're doing action comedy, he's the god of action comedy. Yeah. And the- then, I mean, we the direction itself, I, this kind of goes to, you were talking about the descent earlier and yeah. kind of the way that it chops. It's very choppy in some of those action scenes. And that's one of the things that I loved about this movie from a comedy. You rarely get scenes of action that are actually fleshed out and longer takes and this has those it's very very well choreographed yeah so like i said i i think this movie took a bit too long to get going with a with a big studio comedy and any comedy you see in a theater it takes you need a belly laugh scene to get the crowd into it and the scene where my crowd got into it and i got into it was the bullet removal scene Ooh, okay. That was when the movie really kicked in for That's me. That's a great scene. Because before that, it was kind of bothering me. They didn't really do enough with this. They had this fun dynamic of like they don't they don't know that like an it's not a game and an actual kidnapping has happened. Yeah. So they're just kind of fucking around. And there's some pretty good set pieces with that. Like it's pretty funny, but I think it could have been done a little bit better. And then the bullet removal scene it just it got everybody going because it's, it's, it's a truly a scene. funny scene where they're mm. both you know puking and then there's a f- hilarious reveal that like the bullet went all the way through. Um, so that's past that. I think it becomes a much better movie uh, when it leans into being an action comedy is when it's a good movie. Yeah, I mean at the beginning of the movie when they first get to the mansion, we get this shot of the burglars like loading up their guns mm. and. From that scene, like it's set up that that they're clearly not part of the game. Yeah, like you know off yeah. the bat. You're so like, this there's isn't no part of the game. there's no mystery from an audience perspective yeah. that everything that the whole fight scene with Kyle Chandler, like that's all real. So we, I, I, I was in this place where I was thinking like the movie isn't trying to trick us right now. Exactly. Like it's it's we're in on it. And we have to assume that everything that happens from now on, the movie is going to be letting us in on it. So when we start to get some twists, they're pretty effective. They're yeah. pretty un- unexpected from from the point of view of, of like you assuming that the movie is giving you all of the information that you need. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I think that's why it kind of bothered me because it was it was kind of in this gray area of like, they're, well, they're not overtly telling us, but we still know. So does that mean that we're smarter than the movie? Right. I was a little bit shaky about that. I was like, do I am, am I just going to be like kind of checked out? Because I know exactly. everything that that yeah, it was kind of like oh, this is going to be predictable, and then once it kicks up, you're like okay, no, this is this is yeah. good, this is good. It just yeah. took a little minute. But I almost feel that this movie was elevated so much by the script and by the casting of the characters that there were even some moments where I was a little bit ahead of where the movie was going, but I wasn't ever bothered or taken out of it just because it's really like like we talked about the cast and the script and the direction are the highlights of this movie. Like whether you don't like aren't totally like just twist, just taken aback by all the twists and turns. I still think that 
the highlights of this movie keep you in it, even in those parts. Even in the very beginning, like, you can say it's corny and everything, but I still found those scenes, uh, like, with the fertility doctor and all that stuff. I found it funny enough that I was still still invested in the movie. Yeah, exactly. And this movie just embraces the ridiculousness. It definitely has some Edgar Wrightness to it. It also has a little bit of Tarantino to it mm, as well yeah. as much it, just the way that it's willing to just embrace like going balls to the walls fucking out of like just out of this world crazy a little bit gory at parts it is it's a good r comedy mm-hmm. um so yeah it does like once it gets going it's a really good movie there's there's a bunch of like pretty they're like standard like comedy set pieces but they work really well they're well executed um and there are twists that, like, we're not going to reveal yet, but that you genuinely don't see coming, and they really work. Like, there are times where you think, okay, I, I'm ahead of you, and yeah. you're not. You're not. You're genuinely not. Um, so, overall, it's I would say it's a good movie. Uh, I'm not going to say all the humor worked for me. I, I think there were plenty of jokes that I completely groaned at. Um, this is something I never thought I would say, but this movie has too much referential humor in it to the point that it's abusing it, where, like every other joke is a reference and it's like, Haha, I, I know that I know that, which there's a way to do that. Like community made a living off of being a show that is incredible, incredibly based off references. But this movie, the reference was the joke. A lot of the time, yeah. that's, that's when you're not supposed to do that. It's supposed to be a part of a joke, but not the entire joke is a reference. See, I was, I was trying to keep up with all of the little Easter eggs and references. And I kind of just gave up halfway through because I was thinking like, the the that's not the point of the movie is not to catch all of these things so no you're not supposed to catch it but it's just like every five seconds i mean you can expect that in a movie that's largely based on trivia but like it's just so so much i was into all of that i i liked how you know if you're a if you're a movie person or a pop culture person like there's all these references thrown in there for you to catch and and yeah it, it is like the kind of basis of the joke a lot of times but it doesn't take away from the scene if you don't know the references like if you don't know what is you know being sprinkled throughout the 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 scene with the trivia or whatever it if you don't know it you're not gonna be like totally lost yeah it, it didn't like lose me it was just kind of like that's not a joke i mean that's it's just a uh, thing it's not like like family guy-esque with its referential humor where the entire joke is make or break on whether or not you understand the thing that it's referencing well, it kind of is I'd- a lot of the time like they just say hey this is like that <laughs> and then they move on like the trip are you talking about like the trivia scene no just peppered in the whole movie it's right. like hey you're like this oh hey, what are you doing this yeah. to me hey yay and it's like there's this healthy amount of that that you can have in any movie and i'll love but it yeah. was like it the was, whole taken three thing at the end. Yeah. i mean that was fine because it was a part of a big set piece that's what i'm saying that's fine because it's a whole scene but okay. a lot of the time it did kind of remind me of family guy where it's just like hey this is just like that <laughs> move yeah. on yeah I, I can agree with that. I, I just think that it didn't, it wasn't as obvious to me and I didn't like, you know, I didn't think that the movie relied too much on that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. It did, it did overuse it a little bit, but it wasn't as much to its detriment in my opinion. True. Um, you guys have any other thoughts before yeah, we get let's, to spoilers? Let's think about what we, what we want to say before we get to spoilers. Uh, I think I'll just say I was very pleasantly surprised. Um, I didn't think I was going to enjoy this movie as much as I did. I had heard a little bit of hype, uh, but I didn't think that it was going to be like such a good time mm-hmm. at the movies. Like if you're looking for just a fun, you know, movie to go out and see and kind of 
just have a good time and not think too much about it. This is the perfect movie for that. Yeah. Um, out of ten, I'd probably give it like a seven. Yeah. Solid mm. seven. This is a it's a good I, movie. If you like horrible bosses, this is better than horrible bosses because yes. of two reasons. The humor is on a similar level, but it has a better setup, a better premise. And then it also is better directed and where you're actually looking at shots and being like, wow, because modern comedy, the pitfall of Judd Apatow is that he's made it okay to not really actually shoot a movie. Like he just kind of puts a camera somewhere and lets them go. Uh, This movie is not that this movie is actually someone thought about what to do with the camera. There's some awesome shots. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's elevated past horrible bosses. Um, in those ways, um, while having a similar tone to it, I would say. So I, yeah, I was surprised by this movie, even though you guys told me it was good. It's a, it's just solid. And like I said, most comedies, big, like bigger budget studio comedies suck. Yeah. Like are not good. Guess what? I just got screener invites to cock blockers. That's the next comedy that we have coming out. What if, what if that turns out to be good? I no, nope. <laughs> but that's what this is competing with. So like, I can nitpick the comedy because I'm a comedy little bitch boy. But like, this is better than most other comedies you can go out and see. So I would recommend it. It's it has a breezy runtime. It's really short, so you're not losing yeah, like your right whole like day. hour and a half, hour yeah. thirty five or yeah. something. Yeah, it's real quick and it feels quick and it's fun. It's a fun movie. Um, it's not offensive in any way. Yeah. It's just like it's just a good time. Yeah, like, it's just good. You won't feel like you wasted your time and and you'll you'll you know you'll be yeah you'll be fulfilled. I, 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 I don't know i feel like i'm a little bit higher on this movie than you guys are i'd probably give it like a seven and a half maybe an eight just because like i said i really do think this is one of the best like true comedies that we've gotten in years it is better than horrible bosses and better than so many movies that we get that are similar to this and i think that this movie like i was laughing out loud like really hard to yeah. the point that i'm like covering my mouth Me in too. the theater just because i was laughing so hard it, it's like that doesn't happen very often in movies that i'm watching i mean we'll get stuff like ladybird that has like moments of that but that's not really a comedy it's a coming of age movie with comedic elements in it but as far as a true r-rated comedy goes i really think that this is an excellent excellent movie i think it's gonna have a lot of rewatchability too i agree with that i think yeah i think watching it over um you're gonna be able to catch some of these references a little more uh i'm, I'm curious to see how it'll hold up to multiple viewings some of the jokes might dull i have a feeling a that bit. i have a feeling though that like it'll it'll be one of those movies that it benefits even if like you know where it's going just because this seems like it was very smartly put together yeah my I, again, the the ticket, the price of admission is worth it just to see Jesse Plemons. Yeah, just to see all of his scenes, everything he says, everything he does, everything that happens around that character. Yeah, absolutely pitch perfect. And there, there are probably two or three scenes. I said the one, which is kind of a reveal, but it's thirty minutes in the movie. Yeah, uh, there's another one, another two in particular that are like very standout. Where it's like this is pretty much as good as it gets. Yeah, yeah. it has lulls. It has moments where I was like, "Can we just go to a new scene, please?" <laughs> and then there are certain scenes where it's like, "This is what it's there's about." There's one is fucking it. There's one particular shot of Jesse Plemons like slowly backing away <laughs> into his house, and the camera just lingers on the doorway. And yeah, he falls and then you like into shadow. darkness. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and there's like, should we should we go in? Like, what? <laughs> yeah, because it's another thing that I like about this is it's almost very meta comedy. This movie is that like it's it's smart. It knows that it's smarter than your average comedy that you're watching. Like, yeah. it knows that when Jesse Plemons is doing some creepy shit, the characters comment on it. It's not like they're like being stupid to everything that's happening around them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
All right, well, spoiler alert for Game Night. Go see it in theaters now. Come back and listen to this. All right, now. so which we should talk a little bit about some of these cameos that we have because this movie has Chelsea two Peretti. real standout yeah, cameos. A Chelsea very Peretti. pregnant Chelsea Peretti who was <laughs> pregnant in real life. Yeah, with little baby Peel. Which is funny. Like They were willing to write that into the script just to have her in this because there was no reason for that character to be yeah. pregnant. She just was. Um, and then we have Mr. Westworld Man. Yeah, Jeffrey Wright. Yeah. Jeffrey Wright. And uh, the big reveal that I like kind of lost my shit over at the end of the movie, where it turns out the real was... big bad is Michael C. Hall. Fucking yeah. Dexter himself. You know what? You know what this... kind of disappointed me is the way the movie was going with references. I was expecting he was going to pop him and they'd be like, Michael C. Hall? Yeah. No, I was honestly like, that's what I was hoping yeah. too, is I thought that they were just going to be like, oh my God, it's Dexter. Yeah. Like, holy shit. He's like, yeah, I'm actually like this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was a great reveal. I, I mean, that guy doesn't get enough work. I guess he really doesn't. Like, I think that Michael C. Hall is an excellent yeah. I actor. I mean, it's because he's, he's one of those guys where his role was just too signature yeah you know it was just too he's dexter forever he's got like, like kind Ross. of the john ham syndrome or yeah yeah yeah. yeah it's, it's just like seeing uh david schwimmer and something you're like get out of here ross yeah <laughs> okay now i before we forget about this i want to talk about my favorite part of this movie which is not denzel oh my god i was yes. losing my shit during this whole that sequence. was really funny so it's built up that um this girl uh the the wife girlfriend uh michelle um has slept with a celebrity before because they do that drinking game that have um never ever ever, ever. ever. um and so kevin lamone morris is trying to figure out who this celebrity is and he guesses denzel and she initially says no but then towards the end of the movie it's revealed that she actually slept with denzel and it cuts to this uh, like flashback sequence of her meeting him, and you're looking at, it and you're like, "Huh, that guy, Denzel. that guy kind of, kind of looks well, like Denzel." But initially, I was taken out of it because I was like, "They picked a shitty Denzel." Yeah, yeah. And then they get you because it's it's actually it's not, not Denzel. Shout out to Michael Malcolm X Hughes is the name of the guy. <laughs> really, um, this is his only film that he's ever done. He went to Florida State Film School, Florida State acting. So shout out to him. That's depressing. But he really does like. Just like quickly glancing at me, be like, "Oh shit, is that Denzel?" Yeah. But then they have that picture of the two of them together, and they zoom in on the yeah. nose, and the guy's just like, That's "Nose not- gives it away, doesn't it?" <laughs> yeah, that was a really good scene. And then the other uh, great standout was the dog scene in the, oh, with the blood. Yeah, in Jesse Plemons's uh, study room. That was okay. I actually. Like, I thought that scene was good, but it was like a classic Jason Bateman scene. Him just being like, oh, God, oh, no, not that. Oh, and him just, like, making things worse and worse. Um, I just, like, I I liked that scene, but that wasn't one of the major standouts in the movie for me, at least. I I had minor issues with all of these scenes that were very, very good, but I was like, it could have been a little better. Like, that Denzel scene. Yeah. In my... The concept of that scene, I think, is funnier than how I thought it actually was. Like, I was watching it and I was like, Haha. But, like, in theory, that's fucking hilarious. Yeah. I think it could have been executed a tad I, bit better. I love Lamorne, uh, Lamorne Morris's uh, little Denzel impression that he sort of slips yeah, into. That's, he that saved great. that scene for me because that is a great... Yeah. Lamorne Morris is hilarious. Yeah. I wish he had, a like, more than one uh, 
dimension to him in this movie but like what we get out of him is great he's a really funny guy yeah and then the whole set piece kind of towards the end in the mansion with the egg yes yeah, they, that they was literally that long Easter take egg. was great take I, there might have been a hidden cut in there somewhere but at just the fact i mean that they were able to execute yeah. that long take and make it look so seamless just is just amazing catch. like it was yeah, another game like look yeah. at that but it was just so cool how they involve every character it was weird it almost gave me avengers vibes which is a weird thing to draw parallels to but this whole cast that you've been following the whole movie and then we get a little bit of a set piece jumping from one character to the other each kind of doing their own little thing Mm. yeah that was a a really well directed scene Uh, and there's you know there's some great action in here that all leads up to that um the big kind of moment we have on the bridge that's being closed down uh and the Okay, so when when it all sort of comes to a head and all of the characters are on the ground and, you know, Kyle Chandler is saying, like, is confessing about how much he's cheated and it's just this big emotional moment, I know... I knew that Jesse Plemons was going to show up. Like, you know for a fact yeah, that it's yeah. going to happen. And then he does. Evidence revealed that it was all his game night. Yeah. Okay. And then so there's that twist and then immediately afterward there's the twist that it wasn't all him. Yeah. Okay, and well all so the Bulgarian stuff, I, all the Michael C. Hall. Going in watching all this stuff with Jesse Plemons, I knew that he was like conniving some shit right here. Like he was trying to get back at them. Like I had that <laughs> gut feeling the whole time. So I wasn't as surprised by that first twist just cuz I saw it coming. I thought that Jesse Plemons acted it perfectly but then when we get the michael c hall appearance in it i that was a twist that really did like shock me just because i was thinking it's going to turn out in the end that jesse plemons has just like created this whole game for all of them but then it turns out that it's not all his game like you said and that one actually did surprise me that second twist. yeah i mean it, it there wasn't it, jesse plemons didn't know that kyle chandler was involved in all this sketchy black market shit. right like he he had no way of really knowing that so that wasn't factored into his game mm. that was all that was all real shit um but other than that like the way the the there's these reversals one after another like worked really well and then it all leads into the whole plane thing taken three uh and then yeah that's a cool scene it's very well made well yeah, shot. It is. um and then Kyle Chandler like has that one final like, and that's game night. Yeah, <laughs> just kidding. Yeah, yeah that was um, see, that was maybe the best joke in the whole movie when he's like, "All right, wake up," and I, then he doesn't. He, like, another thing, another thing I loved uh, during that whole scene was uh, when they have like the little moment between Jason Bateman and um, uh, Kyle Chandler. No, 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 with uh. Jason Bateman and Rachel McAdams, oh, where he's, like, uh, where he's doing charading, yeah. he and they, you think oh, that they're yeah. gonna have this big moment charading. I was watching, I was like, is that really how we're gonna end it? Is like this, <laughs> and you have him, he, she like figures out, she gets it, and she hits the little thing to like have the and box drop so on the slow. guy, and it just slowly moves off. Yeah. And it's like, oh well, I mean, you saw what I was going for there, yeah, right? See, like that was the the movie has some good visual gags, which is kind of a lost art in comedy these days. Like Edgar Wright's kind of the only guy doing those, and this it had some great ones. Other than like cartoons, obviously, you know, it has some ones where the whole the shot is the joke. There's no words being said, and you're laughing. Yeah. That's that's kind. 
kind of tough to do, like from a writing yeah, perspective. Yeah, I mean, that's what the blood scene was. The dog like shaking mm. his, his yeah, fur yeah, yeah. and the blood just splatters everywhere. All, All over of- the shrine of his of Jesse Plemons' ex-wife. Yeah. That was oh, so was good. So- like, just his whole... Jesse Plemons' character is just... I, it, I, there aren't enough words to describe how great of a performance he gives in this role. Yeah, you buy into all of everything, it. every little moment. Just his his whole devotion to his ex wife and like that being his driving force to find some sort of like reconnection with his old friends. Like he he's alone. All he has is his dog. And I think I got the sense, you know, after the fact that he wasn't trying to be creepy. He just knew he was. He was like, I know that I'm a little bit off-putting, so I just kind of have to get around that to try to be friends with these people. Yeah, he was also... He had some very well-written lines. Like, the way he spoke was very signature. It was very, like like verbose and like different and like borderline like spectrumy kind of like it was he was he was a well-written character i just i and i love the scene uh while they're in uh, jesse plumman's house and they're playing the jenga game and he's just like oh well you know uh, um he's taking a little bit while a long time in the bathroom maybe i should go check on him and then, then uh the british girl just like shuts out like hey so tell me about tell me about your wife tell debbie. me about, the, tell me like, about <laughs> debbie where should i begin yeah um so about her, Sharon Horgan is uh one like one of our better comedic minds that we have. Period. Right now, she's proving yeah. that writing and starring in and directing Catastrophe with Rob Delaney, and she kind of did almost nothing in this movie. Um, I wonder if there was like a draft of the script where she was a a double agent the whole time because that's what I Ooh, thought was happening. Yeah. Because there's that scene where they're all like. It, it was just like pretty bad exposition where they're all in the van and they're like, hey, well, why are you still here? Oh, because of this. Oh, well, why are you still here? Oh, because of this. Okay, so yeah. it's all settled. We're going in. Yeah. Like, it was just for exposition, but like, I was kind of thinking like, why is she still there? Are they going to yeah. do something with her? Because she's European and they're dealing with a Bulgarian and like, mm-hmm. you know, I think that would have been, that would have been, that cool. been fun. Um, as it is, she didn't do much. She was basically there for uh, Magnuson to bounce off of and he was, he stole the show there yeah. with that dynamic. Yeah, but I like I believe their relationship because then we have the whole like scene of them in the van driving and like uh, Ryan Billy Magnuson's character like kind of says something about just like oh you know like I'm kind of starting to like you and all that stuff mm-hmm. and she's like bro like stop you're making it weird <laughs> yeah like, yeah, yeah stop it <laughs> yeah that was that was what they did with that and he that guy had a lot of good lines some of his lines were bad lines and he made yeah. them funny yeah. which the is whole, which is very impressive the whole fight club bit where he keeps saying that like rich people yeah, just yeah, gamble yeah. on poor yeah. people fighting each other yeah and then that ends up to be true at the end it like it kind of reminded me of a uh, get out of the guy just saying like sex party like <laughs> that whole kind of thing he's like pushing it the whole time and he's like oh shit maybe this is actually real like this actually is <laughs> yeah. a thing that's happening mm. yeah it was sex slaves it was it was good and also uh I was impressed. It really got the theater going. Like, like I said, the strengths were the action comedy. When they slam the brakes and the egg bursts, yeah. the whole theater gasped. Yeah, like that doesn't happen a lot with comedies where yeah. you're like, no, yeah. like you actually gave a shit. Which is again, it's another one of the kind of the pitfalls of like modern Apatowian comedies, which I do like, but like they don't have stakes really. Yeah. Like it's this is forty people. does not have stakes. Right, there's nothing to really care about, and this mm-hmm. is forty. It's just kind of funny. And this movie, it's doing pretty well. It only costs thirty-seven million to make. And, and this is a movie that's it's 
getting around like just basically off of word yeah. of mouth. I that's, never saw a trailer for this movie. That's why we're reviewing it. Yeah, right the now. trailer that we saw I didn't think was very good. I just I heard a lot of people like on podcasts and stuff recommend it. Adam who was on the podcast last week recommended Game Night. So Oh, really? I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, like he said that oh. he really enjoyed it. So I just it's just been getting around on word of mouth and I think this is a movie that's definitely really worth seeing and worth uh yeah. spending money on. Yeah, it was, it's a very efficient movie. You're not going to waste your time. You get the feeling that it was shot kind of quickly you know like most comedies are but like right. a, like a baby driver where it's like man this is just a quick this is just like boom 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 like gets you in gets you out it's enjoyable i like it i can nitpick it but yeah. i like the movie i did and i did really buy like for the most part i y- you could argue about the way that the initial uh setup for the emotional through line of him uh wanting to be his brother like how that is set up, but I thought that it, thing but too. I thought that overall their relationship really worked because you do understand and you sympathize with Jason Bateman's character. He wants to be, he's always been the like, like lame younger brother and he yeah. sees his older brother who's cool and he's quote unquote working on wall street yeah. and doing all these like awesome <laughs> things. Invested in Panera. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so it's like, it's understandable that he has like this deep seated jealousy against his brother. And I thought that the way that that all kinds of come, comes to a head that his yeah. brother isn't who you think he he's is he's not who you think he is and they have a great moment when they're lying down when the people have the guns out and he's like i was actually gonna like let you win this game night and give you that stingray car that you've yeah, always wanted because they find the one of them finds the final clue it says check your jacket pocket and then the keys were in his jacket pocket the whole yeah, time that was that was actually a decent emotional moment like yeah. it actually worked pretty well um, which is surprising because initially I was like, well, there are a couple straw men in the movie and I thought he was another one of them and he's not. He's, yeah. he's He has a dimension to him. So that was, yeah, it was enjoyable. Pretty good movie. Solid. Would you guys ever want to do a crazy murder party game night? <laughs> well, we never finished the story about how our actual personal game night went. Betrayal on the House on the Haunted Hill, it got dark. <laughs> yeah. Ray became a... <laughs> A, a, Werewolf. Hang, a, a hangman person. <laughs> yeah, he had his to, noose. There's actually still the games of hangman sitting. On the <laughs> yeah. No lie. All right. Well, let's let's wrap it up, boys. Uh, you can email us at webottomike at gmail.com fucking email us guys i know you're listening i'm gonna start making a fake email and emailing ourselves let us questions. know what you thought of game night let us know what other stuff you want us to review let us know if you want us to go see fucking tomb raider or some shit i'm not gonna see tomb raider i mean unless somebody if a single person emails us and says hey go see tomb raider now do it if a single person emails <laughs> us and says hey go do a full review of cock blockers i will fucking do it okay all right, now it's on That's the record. The incentive. It's yeah. gonna happen. Yeah. Uh, what else is coming up? Ready Player One. Ready That's Player One's coming one. out. Isle of Dogs is gonna be coming out oh, soon. Oh, uh, watch out for our big review of Merry Christmas. Right. Oh, oh yeah, that's coming up soon. Shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, we got to schedule that. I'm gonna. I'm following through with this. We're watching it. <laughs> oh no. We really are. Um. Okay. We also have uh some TV shows coming back. We got Barry about to yeah. start. Very I'm really excited, excited for that. For that. Yeah. Well, that's not back. That's well, yeah. Premiering. Well, premiering. Legion. Then we have Legion back. coming back. Yeah. Oh, I'm so ready for that. Okay. Uh. Well, I am at Calderness on social media and Letterboxd. What about you guys? I am Hunt Mobley on Twitter and on Letterboxd. And yeah, follow me. Yeah, I'm at uh, Drew Dietzen on all that all that good stuff. Cool, cool. Or right. I'm, I think I'm Drew D on Letterboxd because no one's on there. Yeah, there's there's people on so there. I snuck it in there. It's, there it's are the dozens new, of us. It's the hot new social media for cinephiles. Because <laughs> <laughs> there's so many that of so- us. That sounds horrible. <laughs> that sounds like a website I don't want to get on ever.
It's pretty cool. I yeah, mean, I like you, it. You make lists, and uh, I have all my my favorite movies of all time on there, nice and yeah, and color coded. Yeah, go check it out. All right. Well, <laughs> uh, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Beep boop. Bye. Bye. Is Fortnite pop culture? Yeah. Okay. We, yeah, we should have done an so hour. So Fortnite. Today. Um, fuck me up. <laughs> <laughs>